As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, to hell with it. You know what? All right, there we go. It's acting weird. I don't know. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 54 of Step Into the Paranormal. Our, my computer is like flipping out. In Dave's defense, three minutes it's been, we've been scrambling, trying to, something went wrong. This is the computer we usually use. So it completely freaked out. Don't know why he used it last night. Go figure. Plus, you know, she's sitting here, whatever. We have two demonologists tonight. So I scrambled to get my new computer up, which is the one that has a powerful blah, blah, blah. Got it working fine. It's flipping out now. And also the lost camera, lost audio. Now it took us out of the video. So if you lose the feed, we didn't die. I swear. We, uh, well, it started act. I was doing an interview last night and the uh, computer started acting up. So anyway, take a deep breath. Count to three. One, dos, tres. It's not that bad. We have, I got, um, I got, I got, I got news. I got news. I went on a date today. And she's real. And she's pretty. Well, you know, the definition of paranormal is oh, something so. that's just outside of the norm. Yes. So I guess that fits in. We have a very special show yes. tonight. I've been waiting to get these guys on here. They are very special gentlemen absolutely it's not because you know they're our friend or whatever it's because of who they are yeah. and what they do some amazing stuff we've worked with them several several pieces and some amazing guys guys let's introduce james anito 
can crawl and jump. What's up, guys? So, uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show, and thank you for coming. Thank you. Really suddenly thank disappear. You. It's not you all. I swear to God. I can speak so. quietly. <laughs> if you want. No, it's not no, you. It's not it's, you. You're not giving the feedback. When I talk, I can hear you. My voice and your speaker. Okay. You're, so you're you can right. talk fine. Yeah, I'll just cut out. Carl, you're absolutely fine, man. Nice and crisp and clear. And yes. James yes. Well. Thank you. You sound normal to me, at least from here. <laughs> Relatively <laughs> normal. Very well. <sighs> well, I guess to uh, kick this all off, I mean, I know who you guys are, and we're very close with James. Um, we haven't had the pleasure yet of actually working with Carl. But I'm very well aware of who Carl is. So, James, why don't we, um, if you don't mind, my friend, why don't we uh, start with you and just give everybody that's watching or listening just a quick rundown of exactly who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, so my name is James Zanito. As you know, I clearly said it, and you guys are great friends. I love you guys both. Um, good to uh, be back on. Um, so I have a paranormal investigator that's been involved with me for 16 years, since the early age of 15 years old. Um, it's always been an interest of mine. I've been researching since young, young age. Never had paranormal experience. I had tra traumatic experiences as a child that um, is well documented within my life um, that I've dealt with. And... <clears throat> Um, with the, with those questions led me to the paranormal uh, because of shows like shows like Scooby Doo, uh, Scariest Place on Earth, and uh, In Search of, and all these other uh, fantastic shows that predate a lot of our time, as well. Um, and of course, like Charles Dickens and his writings and his literature. And, um, yeah, so basically that all kind of came together, and I got involved into the field of demonology and ministry work. I've officially been ordained and. The old Catholic Church as a deacon, and I was a pa uh, pastoral assistant, then deliverance minister, an ordained minister with the Church of Christ. Um, so I have a theological background too, but yeah, that's really what kind of got me to demonology. I, I want to help people, I want to uh, create awareness, the what ifs, the whatnots, and uh, also better myself by learning many different industries. I'm also a student in psychology at an accredited university. Um, so, so um, yeah, it's a long love. It's a long love of mine. We'll do it as long as I breathe. So, Carl, how'd you get in? I like spooky things. Why not go with it? No, I just I was uh, as a very young person. I was uh, drawn to you know, anything um spectacular and nefarious and you know mysterious i'll say uh i was raised in a haunted house I mean, most days were business as usual but we did have some paranormal activity going on there so that was absolutely fascinating and somewhat scary at times and my sister my younger sister and i used to play on a spirit board and uh of course that was when we got the answers that was even more riveting and all that and, and uh the Paranormal activity seemed to upstep, and we were getting like tremendous poundings on the roof of the house, no tree branches over the house, and uh, seeing the spirit form of a woman in the house. So, and you know, my brother and sister and I experienced these things, not all at the same time, but sometimes we'd, we'd know the things were going on. So, naturally, I started reading about 
hauntings and the, the supernatural. In fact, that was one of my early readings was uh, Hill and Williams, The Supernatural. And I remember when I was 11 years old, I read Kraft Ebbing's Psychopathia Sexualis, which dealt with a lot of serial killers. And uh, just always interested, not so much the dark, I, should, I say dark for lack of a better term, things that were mysterious. And uh, I wanted to get into paranormal investigating and didn't really have an outlet for it except on my own, my brother and I. Um, then I went to uh, a lecture staged at Rhode Island College in Providence. And this was back in 1972. And the two speakers were Ed and Lorraine Warren. Amazing. Whom I heard a little bit about. They weren't quite as yeah, famous as they are now. Yeah. Maybe a little yeah, they, I, they were, and they, they were. They gave such a nice uh, presentation. I remember saying, "That's what I want to be when I grow up." And uh, I got to know Ed and Lorraine Warren. Actually, they, Ed was doing some uh, audience participation. You know, asking to raise our hands that we've had this or that experience. And he actually called me up on stage, and I became part of the lecture. So I was invited to join a group based at the college called Pyro. Oh, nice. Parapsychological Investigatory and Research Organization. Then we started investigating. And one of our early cases was actually that house on Rontop Road in Harrisville called the Conjuring House. Mm -hmm. Now, now James didn't come with me on that one. Uh, I missed him being there, but, you know, just... Well, one impediment was not having been born at the time. So, you know, it's uh, I, that's understandable why he couldn't have joined me. But James has been there many yeah. times since, you know those early days. So that's the basic how I became involved in it. I was always interested in exploring and coming up with theories, trying to say, you know, not just that there are ghosts and we see them sometimes and we have evidence of them. What are they? What makes these things, these replicas of living people, if that's what they right, are? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. yeah, I've been pursuing it ever since. Now, now I can, I can, from our, our standpoint, we met James when Dave and I formed, we left our team and formed Parent Morning in 2017. And the very first time we met James in person was at a Paracon that we were all in. And with my fascination with what James was doing in the field, I can relate to you, Carl, because I first familiarized myself with you in, I believe it was 06, when like everyone else in the world started watching Post Timers. Yes. And having a background in religion, which led me to today's paranormal, it was such like a breath of fresh air when the TV one and I would see someone from more or less like a religious standpoint and actually offering help. So then when we met James, I was like, oh, man, this is what he does. I mean, that was just like mind-blowing to us because, you know, not too many of the, when this started coming mainstream, did you see where people were actually out there viewing from just a spooky standpoint and, oh, this is scary and you know, it was actually some faith-based answers being offered. And that's exactly how we view it. So that was like right, right. in our alley when we came to know who you guys were. Rather than just, a, you know, we, we affirm that you have a ghost in your house and like on to the next. And, you know, it's like James and I try to intervene, intercede, you know, advise, counsel, 
even from a psychological standpoint, you know, if we can advise people, at least offer them, if not concrete answers, at least some suppositions and some advice, you know, that's what our aim is. Right. And, and James, James, I mean, I mean our, hats our hats are off to you because the work you've work done, done and, and as long as you've been involved in this in the way that you are, at such a young age is so impressive. Yeah, when I first yeah, saw you in your collar, I thought I seen your kid running around here in, in a priest collar. What the? And then I got to know you, and you, you know my background as well, the faith. And um, yeah, it's like, oh wow, how did you get into this? So you really piqued curiosity. Well, I think the biggest thing is with me is that I've always been told I can't do something or can't do it. And I've always been told I wasn't good enough. And it's always enabled me to continue wanting to learn um, or having questions within myself or the surroundings of what I've dealt with or what other people I've dealt with that have maybe continue researching and kind of getting involved in fields that have some sort of ability to be used academically or hands-on to this field. I'm very fat, multifaceted. You know, I've been in school for computer science. I have a degree within that. I, you know, I, I went to, I went to ordained two ministries. Like, I've, I, I try to see things that I can adapt to this field. Like, by my career, I'm an HVAC guy. I'm a project manager and estimator now. I've worked my way up from being a laborer, but still, I've, I've accumulated that knowledge how construction, the constructs of buildings, can be affected or be a, a, a piece of the puzzle why things are going on. It, it, I love knowledge, and I think what, why I love science so much. Good science is about continuously asking questions, and if you find an answer, ask more questions about that answer. And that's just how I am, and I'm always going to be like that because I don't always think that one thing is good enough. This is for Carl. I have to ask you this, Carl, because no matter who we have on the show, whether they're what you do or or psychic idiom or an investigator. I know the years you got into this and that's just that's impressive yep. by itself. Absolutely. But if you were to sit down and just think about what you do, is there any one particular case automatically pops in your mind that's always at the top of the list that you helped on, you know, as far as the uh demonology side that you investigate. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, there there are a few. I'm not sure which one I should center in on, but uh, I suppose what first comes to my as far as being able to successfully help or guide people, make a difference in their lives, uh, at least somewhat temporarily. 
would be the, uh, the case way back in very early in my studies and in my career as a demonologist. It would go back to the uh, situation in Providence, Rhode Island that turned out to be a case of full-blown demonic possession. Mm -hmm. And I've encountered several since then. But I think I really intervened and made a difference for them because I was the one who stood my ground when everybody else was running out or running around. Mm -hmm. And... And it, I don't think what I did was so much heroic. I just didn't know what else to do except to stand up to the situation. I could either have exited and gone out to my car, gone back to my parents' house, and I knew there was food in the refrigerator and it would be safe. And I just thought, oh, why am I here? I don't belong here. This is nerve-wracking. But another part of me said, you know, if I, if I run out now, if I leave, it's not going to inspire any confidence in the people I'm trying to help. And I may never be able to go back into such a situation. I, I'm sure James relates to this as well. So I stood it out, not knowing what I was doing, but kind of making it up as I went along. And the subject, who was a 14-year-old boy, started, and he had done some freakish things that just shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be capable of. And oh, wow. he started advancing towards me, and I just held up my hand and said, stop. And... Uh, I gave him kind of a hug, put my hand on his back, and uh, well, he was better. He was better after that. But that, that one stands out. It's a long story. I may have to take the whole show up talking about that. But, uh, yeah, that, that one would be it. And that goes back to 1980 in Providence, Rhode Island. Let me, um, let me, um, let me ask let you, me ask you Carl, Carl, did being a man of religion, did religion lead you into the paranormal, or was it vice versa, where being interested in the paranormal led you into the religious side of it? Well, I think I would have been, you know, regardless of religious faith, I think I would have pursued that anyway. And right. my faith is not, I wouldn't call it a strong one, really. Um, I keep returning to faith, but, uh, you know, that wasn't my motivator. That, you know, I must, right. in the name of God, go out and help people. But, of course, prayer has been called into, you know, what I do. And, in yeah. fact, every intervention, you know, is incorporated prayer. But just because you don't know how something works or aren't too sure about its reality doesn't mean you don't invoke it sometimes. You know, the sense, Absolutely. The sense of a higher power. You know? Right. I think, uh, and, and James, James. Uh, it is a cat, by the way. <laughs> I noticed there's a shadow presence there. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say play back your video afterwards. You know, there's something there. Yeah. Carmen noticed that. Yeah, it's black ectoplasm, guys. I'm going to Lilydale. That days of Lilydale will be it. Yeah, she jumped up directly behind you at your ticket. <laughs> And, and James, I need to tell you, man, the next time you know you're going to be featured on one of those shows or, or like you were last week or two weeks ago, you got to give us a heads up, man. I didn't know you was going to be on haunting, and I'm just happy to watch it. And I'm like, when they were building up, I was like, oh, I know who this is going to be. I know who this is going to be. And I texted Dave, and I was like, hey, turn it on. Yeah, it on TV. <laughs> Well, you, well you, next time I will, but um, I, I, I try to keep it hush-hush. It wasn't like, I think Carl and a few slight people actually knew, but I, I really, like, I don't promote that stuff. It's not like, I know, it's not, I'm not saying this negatively to anybody that does, 
it's just not my my thing. And uh, you know, I was also nervous of how they would betray me because I, I've I've turned down so many roles, and that's that's honest to God's truth. I've turned so many things down because what we do, especially what Carl and I do, it, it could be masqueraded differently. And even the show was a little off the kilter than what exactly actually occurred, and that's nothing against Mary Joe, but um, I wish they said a lot of things that I actually said and what my advice was. Um, but so that's why I really didn't say anything because I was kind of a little nervous to see how it was portrayed. I think they did a good job. It was very scary. It was great. And a haunting always does a great thing. The 11 seasons in, you know, like they do a hell of a good job, make a little horror pick, but you know, it's not my, it's not my gig. And it was, it was great doing it. And the really only reason I truly did it is because I wanted Caleb to see his dad on television. He always sees Carl on television. He always sees other friends he meets on television. And he's like, Daddy, why never I see you? You know, kind yeah. of how it's like. And I'm like, well, kid, I'll make it happen for you. And, you know, he, he watched it, um, and he was ecstatic, and that was that was enough pleasure to my, well, you know, um, my, eyes, my, ears, my ears. James, because of course, all of us all being in Rochester in a week and a half, will uh, your son be with him? Yes, he will be. How does he like? How does he like it? Come to the paracons and all that good stuff. Oh, of course, he's imaginative, but I have to be stern with him to understand that, like, um, you know, monsters do exist, but you know, as long as you don't particulate on it, the the monsters won't come into play. But he loves it. He loves the people. He loves going to old places. You know, we went to one of the oldest theaters in Pennsylvania, Chambersburg, right? Um, and you know, he's been to Fort Mifflin. He he loves exploring he loves like the oldness he loves meeting new people and so he loves it you know and you know if he follows in my footsteps great if he doesn't at least he had an interesting childhood that you know he'll always remember and that's and that's important to me yeah definitely yeah. That, that's that's one way to win yeah that's cool yeah i um we haven't we haven't. We we were supposed to be in Rochester the past two years, but every time it drew near, due to personal issues, Dave and I had yeah. had to bail. Been a, so, been a rough couple of years for me. I've I've come to, out through the end of the tunnel, and uh, I'm smelling pretty clean at the end of the tunnel too. But we're definitely looking forward to uh, meeting Carl in person. Absolutely. If I have too many As questions for you, Carl, once we get there, just tell me to get the hell away from me. So it's going to be like that all the time. It's we'll have a, but, um, we'll have a good time. Carl, if you're if you're able to just um, chat about it, what was what was the experience uh, when you was on Ghost Hunters? Since, in my opinion, that was the show that kind of brought Started everything mainstream, yeah, to the public. Yeah, it was hectic. It was interesting. You know, it was uh, frustrating. Some, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't boring, but uh, it, it was because, yeah, we would have professional disagreements, you know, about how things should be, how the case should be conducted, because the, the television show did change things because TAP, the Atlantic Paranormal Society previously was grassroots, you know, go out and investigate in the cemetery, go to explore this person's haunted house in Maine and uh, the television show it became all about the production the, you know, the television show swallowed up our original modus. Um, right. Right. It was interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to be interviewing. Well, it's, let's just say it's a departure to be interviewing a client, you know, somebody with a 
paranormally based problem and you're talking to them and they're not really there in the chair you're talking to an empty chair and it's going to be folded in or edited in later and uh that that's those kind of production things are funny but, uh, right. And I think it's more interesting what goes on behind the scenes than what happens in front of the camera. You know, some, right. a lot of the interpersonal interaction is, is right. freaky, weird, and all that. <laughs> but you do get to meet some very interesting people. We did travel some, and uh, people with genuine issues, genuine problems. And uh, a lot more talking and counseling went on, you know, behind the cameras when they're not filming. And you honestly sometimes forget... Uh, that the camera's there filming those, you know, those productions. You know, what wages? What did I say? Do I look all right? Am my hair combed? I was on television here. You know, you kind of forget it after a while. Right. But that makes it all the more, you know, the interaction with people genuine, let's say. Right. Now, how, um, I mean, this, I, I guess this could have to do with being on TV, but in general, when uh, a home is being investigated, whether like you and James are initiating the investigation or someone calls you in because they kind of made the determination that maybe something, you know, out of their, their pay range. Now, like, 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 yeah. How, how does the client react or feel when they're being told, hey, this might be something demonic and we have to bring the specialists in? How do they, how do they perceive that when you first start working with them? They become very nervous, but also excited and, and sometimes hopeful. But they say, oh, this is real, you know, but, uh, but when they hear it and a so-called expert is coming in, but, you know, I, I would be that. James is that. Uh, we are experts. For a, quite a while, I shied away from saying we're experts. I'd say, yeah, experts in the unknowable, but, you know, somebody's got to address these issues, these problems. So they'll be, it becomes very real to the person when the specialist is brought in. Like you're actually calling in a demonologist, you know, right. that's what I have now. So, yeah, that's, so you, I, the, I those are visceral reactions. You actually see they're captured on film. There is an air of artificiality about some of these shows during the production, but, but some of it is gritty real. The, and when they right. capture that on camera, yeah, you're seeing their reactions. You're seeing our reactions. Right. Now, James, I know, like when Dave and I, do one of our lectures or what have you, people always ask us like, what made us start doing this, what got us into this, whatever, and if it's scared. Have you ever had a instance where you went in to do what it is that you do and you were actually frightened yourself? Yeah, definitely. I would, I'd be, uh, I would be egotistical to say that I've never been fearful of the situations I think there was at a time in my in my earlier youth, you know, I'm 31 years old, so I'm still young. But uh, in my early 20s, I was a little bit more arrogant uh, uh, in the ways I approached cases. Um, I would go forward in utmost in gullibility and imagination more than anything, and then instead of trying to dissect a situation. Um, but I always had that kind of emotion or uh, a fear or fright because that's a physical physio physiological thing that occurs fright or flight you know it, it's a brush moves we think it's uh, an animal um so of course when you're going into a situation you've only maybe spoken to that person uh vocally visually um now of course with technology 
uh, you only have a little bit of the story, their living arrangements and how they are. So I think you always go into a location with some sort of speculation, fear of what could occur. And a lot of the times I've dealt with cases, it's never really went the way I thought it would. You know, it would actually uh, be smoother than more difficult. Or if I thought it was too smooth, it would be more difficult. So you always have to have a, a level head and shoulder. But I would say that um, the the case that I had the most fright from was definitely uh, the, the case I talked about that I, I had a prolific nightmare. And I won't expound upon it too much because it'll take a lengthy time. But I had this nightmare that I really truly believe that a demonic infestation was involved. Uh, with his family and it was able to perceive into my dreams um and i killed the family in my nightmare and everything i saw in my nightmare to the home to the people that had never saw uh firsthand um appeared in that nightmare and was real in real life what and the real reality of the nature when i got there the people were the same the house was the same the only difference was that i am brutally uh kill that family so i would say that would be the the instance that i have most fear in my life uh doing this because there's that what if what happens if i pull a lizzie borden right now and whack all of them you know like we'd be we, there'd be a different communication right now i might be in prison and you might be talking about james Needle, the guy that went there to get rid of demons but killed the whole family but that didn't happen and you, you play that in your head and i still like think about it to this day like whoa it was a life-altering situation in my life because it showed me for the first time these things can penetrate yourself, your self-being, um, and 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 change your reality in the confines of your brain and your mind and the way you think and your consciousness. So, um, yeah, that was definitely daunting. Right now, Carl, for 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 those that are watching now or will be tuning in later. Um, through all the work you've done. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I mean, there's so many ways. The demon can get in or take over or what have you. What if you had to like narrow the field down a little bit? What is the cause 
when investigating it from a demonic side that you see has, uh, I guess you could say, like brought the demon forth or started this possession? Do you come across where it's kind of like the same thing again and again that, that's causing these happenings, or is it just a vast variety of reasons? Oh, both actually, because they, it, if I had to note a common factor, it's when the demonic presence, I wish we could say something else than demon, like influence, mm -hmm. and but not, nothing, none of the nomenclature really suffices, you know, these things. Uh, when it feels cornered and threatened, when it's going to be challenged, when it's, you know, which actually reveals it, I'm surprised they aren't more subtle, but right. I guess sometimes they are, but. Uh, when this entity feels threatened, feels like it's going to be challenged, feels like it might be driven out, that's when things get chaotic. That's when it tends to reveal itself. It's almost like it's being trapped in a fire. You know, it's right. writhing. It doesn't want to be revealed, but it has to. You know, it's when a big when it has first. to leave. Yeah. yeah, that's when something might fly across the room or the picture might invert itself or, and or the chair might move backwards sometimes with the person in it. You know, and I've seen poltergeist activity, too, which is absolutely fascinating. And uh, sometimes I refer to a demon as a poltergeist with a really lousy attitude. You know? Right. And now, uh, it's now, when it feels threatened. That's when it starts to ride. That's when you notice more overt paranormal activity. Now, now um, Carl, um, Carl, you or James, James can answer can this, answer but, but you come across you a lot that, that people, people and clients actually make this uh these actions happen and unknowingly invite things in you know they, they think they're investigating paranormal or or just out having a good time perfect perfect case that we brought you guys in and actually bring the demon in you know not when they did it you guys come across that a lot yeah i have I don't. I wouldn't say a lot, but it has happened enough times. I remember it, but where the the demon is like a rat, and I'll say demon because what else am I going to say? It's like right. a random bullet that's ricocheting. It uh, right. Right. it goes right. for right. a target. If it can't infiltrate somebody's mind and thoughts, it'll move over to the other one. Even if that person is one of the paranormal investigating team, and and I've seen that happen. A case that I was just on the fringe of getting to know James Anito. Um, he was almost involved in that case. It was just the timing by a few months. He was not. And this case took place in Orange, Massachusetts. And uh, back in 2010. And this entity, you know, the, the lead investigator was trying to be very heroic and take it upon himself, you know, the co-founder mm -hmm. of the team. And it, it did. It accepted his invitation and went into him in the ways that he didn't expect. So sometimes it'll go around or it'll hit somebody else. I'll notice someone all of a sudden when the investigative team is starting to get woozy, they look like they're, they're going under or something. Suddenly they're erratic and, and it's in them. And we'll go to another person looking for a refuge, moving back and forth. And I want to say that James, uh, James's testimony about that, that vivid and disturbing dream he had, I think that was kind of a rite of passage for James. I think mm -hmm. that was the time where he had to confront can I do this? You know, this is, this is real, real stuff I'm dealing with. You know, can I confront it? Can I be strong enough and, and detached enough to combat these forces? And I think that was a pivotal time for him when he overcame that. Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You see what I'm saying there? 
because he could have been victimized totally. He could have really said, this is not for me. I'm not going to do it anymore. But that's right. not what happened. Wow. It's just, I, I find this whole topic. So, I mean, I know I'm usually real chatty all over the place, but I'm, I'm this topic is just so interesting to me because, you know, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. My interest in the paranormal started as a young child. Yes. Um, going to Catholic school, and we hear all these stories of is either an angel, a demon, or a ghost. You know what I mean? That back 40, almost 50 years ago, that's all we really knew at the time as children was, you know, something bad was caused by a demon. Something good was probably an angel or we just had a ghost. And I would hear these stories that priests retell us about demonic possession. And, you know, it was shortly after, like, the, the whole craze swept the world. Mm -hmm. It was so I always viewed any type of clergy or anyone that was involved in demonology or exorcisms. They were to me like I'm big into superheroes, but they were kind of like superheroes to me. Like I'll shoot the priests are coming in or the demonologists are coming in. This is about to get real, you know. So when I actually saw this, like I said, when I was when I was. Who's Carl from watching Ghost Hunters? It just it took it to the next level for me because I'm like, I know these guys are going to come in and take like care a kid of in a cage. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people that you know, I don't have a fascination with demons or anything, but I just love that aspect of the field of when people come in and just provide that. It's a you departure, know. you know, it's something exactly. different you don't normally see. And I, I will say another common factor is that always that time, I don't know if James will concur with this, but that time of feeling isolated, there's always a time when it's uh, a heavy entity, you know, subject, uh, something threatening. It's always that time where I feel I'm alone in this. You know, I, I feel alone. Why am I doing this? It's very... Mm -hmm. It's unsettling in here. I, I don't really want to be here going through the motions. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm apprehensive about what's going to occur. What how, do you guys, how do you guys know, like when you're when you're in a case and you have cleared the, the person or the, the land or the residence or what have you? Of the bad stuff. How do you know? At what point do you know it's gone for real? That it's not trying to be a trickster and wait for you to leave. Gonna flare up. Place is bad. James, what would you say about? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's an environmental thing. I think it's as close to nurture as possible. You know, I think Carl and I and the other people that are involved in exorcisms or demonology. You, you call us superheroes, but I think we have a, a different dichotomy. I think we have a different buildup of who we are. We're able to process uh, those emotions that come to us a lot faster and handle them uh, a mm -hmm. little bit more professionally than maybe somebody else would. So if a, a situation at hand comes to us, we're able to kind of trench forward with our grit that we've kind of encountered in our lives. Um, and so a lot of us have either gone through a, a traumatic experience, but... Yeah, no. So I, I, I totally lost my uh, s subject on that point. But um, yeah, no, I definitely think it, it's definitely a different buildup of, of who you are, of the individual you are. Um, and when you're dealing with these cases, you know, how you would know 
with how they are gone is, is simple. You know, I think it's, um, I don't think Carl, I, maybe some other people claim they're psychic mediums or, or of the clay or have ESP or some of the other things, the nomenclature that uh, words that have been expressed by people, they say that they are this, but I don't think Carl and I do. I, I use the word discernment, but I think that's more because I've gone through a traumatic childhood. I understand what negative emotion is as a person. Um, and I feel that like I went and, I'm able to understand, okay, I'm going into this environment. I feel something off. Like, okay, I can tell by how an individual speaks to somebody they're, that they're negative towards each other, that there's uprift, there's fighting, um, or there's these situations going at hand. So when that environment, the barometric pressure changes, like all the certain scientific things that could occur in the atmosphere, that, uh, if there's heightened uh, emotion, when you start to feel that and your body becomes uh, more peaceful, that the people around you become more peaceful. I think that's a good uh, point to look at when towards if something is gone or not. And of course, that could be just a facade. It could be gone for a day. It could be gone for a week. And then when you leave and they don't follow the advice that you give them, mm -hmm. then it could, of course, assert itself back again. But right. so, so I think that's how, that's how, how I'm, I'm able to tell. I think it's because, because, of, because of, like I said, over nurturing the ability of time, like I've kind of understood the, the, the environment but anybody can do that outside the paranormal too that's an occupational thing you know you go work every day hating your job you're gonna put that out you're gonna have the grim face you're gonna know that you hate your job it's gonna be apparent it's gonna be shown like a billboard so i think that's i think it's in the same essence how we kind of detect or understand there could be a relievance of what we're dealing with at that point in time now Exactly how you just explained it makes absolute sense. Is that is that go along with if someone's claiming they would call Dave and say, "Hey, man, we have some paranormal activity going on. Could you check it out?" Where does the determine? How does the determination as far as you all to where this might just be? It's something more than a spirit or someone trying that it's fall it's teetering on the fence where it might be more along the demonic side is there certain for people watching is there certain um indications or or signs or anything like that to where they may need to seek uh you know help from someone like you and Carl? yes i think it's instinctual that at a certain point, you know what to feel, you know what to look for, and something in your you don't want to come out and say, "We think you have a demon. We think you have something inhuman." You know, you want to wait for more confirmation. But mm -hmm. that process is going because we've trained ourselves to look for certain things, certain criteria, and when it starts to feel, actually feel darker in the room and, and the light is dimming, you wonder, about, you know, uh, is it my a trick of my eyes, but or could it be something that's a little warning sign? And then uh, we go into that drive we have that uh, it, it becomes instinctual. You know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You don't want to come out and say it, but you're starting to suspect it's something darker and uh, heavier, and you start to look for signs, and it will give signs. Yeah, if it is inhuman, and again we have mm -hmm. to revert to the basic terms. If it's something inhuman, then it's going to reveal itself as such, and it won't take long, especially if you're mm -hmm. there to challenge it. The spirit, the demon, whatever, knows why we're there. It's exactly. got a sense of that, and it starts before you even start any confrontation. 
is confronting us at that point. And James and I, whenever we were working together, and that we would look at each other, we kind of with an acknowledgement, but we rarely get the chance to work together in that capacity. You know, sometimes we have and will. Uh, then you start taking the measures and you start talking to the person that's the target of that demon. And you start asking them certain questions without saying, I'm asking the demon these questions. I'm trying to, you know, verify that you've got a demonic haunt. You start asking certain questions of them. You know, like, how do you feel now? Like, you know, are you at ease? Are you at peace? And right. they'll react. The subject will react if it's got that agitation in it, if it's the target of the demon. Hey, do you guys do you use guys anything use other than uh, religious uh, artifacts, artifacts, Bible, Bible holy water, holy water crosses, crosses, et cetera? Do you use any, you type, use of any type of scientific, scientific devices? devices. Well, recording, yeah. Detecting devices, anything that's going to measure it. Barometric pressure, radiation, you know, the standard EMF, but they're notoriously unreliable, but they will detect some spikes in the atmosphere if there's electric discharge. So things like that, and certainly an audio recorder. We want that. That's probably the most valuable yes. tool. Yeah, you know, and all you've got too. Is, yeah, all you, if all you've got is uh, an EMF detector, a K2, you know, use it. Well, yeah, you say, what, K2 what's K2 a K2 is not a good hunting device. A K2 is an electrician's no. tool. James, you know that as well. It's made to detect electrical output and electrical fields around of, yeah, course, yeah. of course, yeah. Even like he, like Carl noted, noted the yeah, basic EMF meters are 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 for uh, not a constant application. You know, a person emits electricity. Uh, by, we let off static electricity if there's a room that's 90 degrees, 60 degrees, 70 degrees, and we come in at usually our 98, 99 degrees. You create a static electricity electricity buildup because there's a temperature change. Anytime there's temperature change, static electricity builds up. So if you have that EMF meter at a constant reading you're going to get false positives. Anytime an electrician, which is most of the people that use EMF meters professionally and scientifically, uh, um, uh, of course, HVAC technicians too with uh, line voltage or low voltage, um, you know, it's 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 a pitter pattern uh, uh, reads. You know, you go up to an outlet, see if it's live, then you turn off the EMF meter. If it doesn't have a constant anymore, okay, you know, there's no, there's no signal or there's no power going to this outlet. So, a lot of the applications we use are like Carl said, audio, I think is still can be, of course, uh, misconstrued and, and uh, lead you down the wrong path. But I think if you use video, audio, and of course, the, the shared experiences people have, uh, I felt this and oh, you felt that, but it's not contrived, you know, it's not talked about openly, but you both have different notes. And you're like, oh, okay, because if you say it outwardly, you can change that person's reality instantaneously and you might not even think that you did but if you're writing notes and you okay i heard this audibly and then somebody else did and you write it down and then you come to an agreement oh you heard that we didn't talk about it right so there's ways that you can look at it, but we definitely try to go the scientific route we try to collect data um, i'm working on a case right now and Carl knew I'd probably talk about it. I can't talk much about it. I actually will have things to show for it. I think this is one of the first cases where the client's been so open and allowing their story to be told. Um, and, um, you know, some things are going on in this right now. And I jumped to the, the psychiatric route. I thought this person could be crazy. I, uh, just uh, of everything I heard. Um, and, you know, there's just been certain things that have been occurring that have been caught on video. 
Um, something that was caught on video today that will blow my mind if this is true. Um, and um, so if we have this documentation, especially, of course, demonologists, then, if we're trying to work with the Catholic Church or another church that requires this data, like the Church of England or Anglican Church, um, is that they require data before an exorcist is, is able to come out. They want to see uh, a video of a uh, pre-natural phenomenon. They want right. to see uh, this audio or hear it and not see it, but hear it. They want to see why this could be more than something psychological. And that doesn't denote to the fact that there could be something psychological at play. But if there is actual phenomenon that is that is able to be documented, like Carl has been on many shows and they've showed documentation of such activity. You know, I wasn't on it, but one of the cases that I did in Cumberland, Rhode Island, um, for my ghost story that was on one of my cases that ECPRT um, yeah. had uh, investigated and Keith, uh, Carl's brother, had been involved with prior, and then I got Father Bob Bailey involved, was that, you know, they caught the shadow figure that was b bigger than the, the tallest man they had, which was like 6'5", James Holroyd. Big, tall dude. But this shadow figure was as solid as like as it can be and it took up the, almost the whole frame of the door if not the whole frame of the door and doors are no no shorter than seven one you know uh, even in older times they're, they're not they were nothing shorter so this object was seven foot one and that was easy wow. enough to say hey there's something here why is this tall unless andre the giant, the giant. carl um in our in chat our our friend Colette, her question is, have you basically ever been on an investigation or whatever, client or the person there had a demon in them, but was unaware that they were under any sort of possession? Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. Uh, there was a case in Danielson, Connecticut, where this uh, a woman, a fairly young woman, had something that was making her react and we tried to to isolate that like when we say certain things when we hold religious objects is she you know it was actually uh right before you get to killingly in danielson connecticut mm -hmm. I, I don't even remember the exact address but when we happened to like i opened my briefcase and just you know was setting things aside but with a motive you know, I mm -hmm. took out a cross, not a crucifix, but a cross that one would wear as a pendant. And she kind of shivered at that. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, but I don't think she was trying to impress us. I think that was a genuine gut reaction on her part. And she did not feel that she was possessed unless it was something subconscious. She didn't seem to acknowledge any beginnings of possession or oppression at that time. Yeah, there have been a few, but uh, her situation seemed to be resolved because we were there. And we talked to her about it without ever saying, I think you're possessed. We just prayed right. over her and kind of did an intercession right then, a deliverance. My brother was basically in charge of that. And mm -hmm. yeah, there have been some times, but mostly they know something's up. Like a case in Edmond, Oklahoma that happened in 2010. Uh, the girl was starting to get being taken over by a spirit and she didn't want to acknowledge it. And uh, as we... Uh, as we conducted a more thorough investigation, um, we realized something was happening to her. Her mother said she'd be coming distance as she was staring vacantly and she would react uncharacteristically to any kind of emotional upset. 
And so we determined that she was under possession. And then she did react as that. And that was a violent and minute-to-minute uh, -minute unpredictable situation. Right. How come this is a this is a question for me? For me. Um, how come other certain exorcisms were if you're clearing a house or whatever from something dark? How come some cases take longer than others? Is it the 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 energy that that demon has, or is it the person unwingly is is holding that demon there? There's a number of factors, wouldn't you say, James? Like, you know, it's it's both, but it's more so with the, the, the eye of the beholder. To be honest with you, you know, I I definitely think. Um, I know people that deal with it hate to hear it, but it has a lot to do with themselves, their willpower, um, their resilience, uh, resilient nature. Um, because what happens with a demonic entity, uh, even in, in a negative circumstance, even in a negative person, they break break you down little by little to, to, to get the joy of hurting you. Um, and a demon, in uh, the wording of it, um, it's, it's, it's ability is to find, like Carl said, sometimes it's that bullet ricocheting and find the target. Um, it finds that person that it can adapt to, it can, it can molest and manipulate. And um, if the person allows it to linger, and I know the, some people say, oh, well, I don't allow it, but they, they in, invoke into their fear and aren't mm -hmm. forcibly motivated to... Um, overcome this you know they're weakened mm -hmm. from some trauma so um yeah the strength of the entity can be a uh, play a part or the force um but it's mostly the person that keeps it it's like where the battery you know an, an inanimate object right, right. if you if the battery's gone the toy doesn't operate unless it's paranormal and somehow moves because right. it's manipulated by a force but that's very rare to see this in psychokinetic uh, in psychokinetic energy is very rare. Uh, it doesn't happen much. Um, so, but yeah, no, I definitely think that uh, the the person's integral, um, and uh, fields like psychology, parapsychology, are think are, are, are integral pieces of the puzzle when you're working with somebody and trying to have them overcome uh, a spiritual affliction. Right. Very good. Well, gentlemen, we are we are almost out of time. Already. So before we let you go and give you our most sincere, heartfelt thanks for joining us. And no singing and dancing, we're not gonna put you through that. How can people find you guys? Yes, Oh, it's fairly easy. James, you want to give our handle for the website and other means? I can. I made it, made it life easy. I just put it right at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I meant to run it the whole show, but I forgot. Well, demonology.org, um, demonology incorporated, um, Panorama Paranormal, do a demonology on Facebook, uh, Carl Johnson on Facebook, James Anito um, on Facebook, jamesanito.com. There's many ways to reach us, and usually, like if if it's needed, we come together and work together um and uh, yeah that's how you can reach us and we have a uh a, a show that will of course be there once again soon hopefully um where we have a youtube podcast and a facebook podcast do demonology uh we have like 30 episodes so go watch them um we talk about a lot of specific topics nice gentlemen we appreciate you being here thank you it was Lots an of absolute honor man i am just so intrigued by what you and it's because of 
the field you're in and folk from back in the day before I knew you guys, it's what, you know, helped me go from just studying religion and spirituality and taking that step into the paranormal. So thank you for everything that you guys do. It's Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. And we were looking forward to seeing you guys for a weekend and a week and a half in Rochester. We'll be there on the 24th. So not sure when you got to get there, but, you know, party's on him. <laughs> we'll be there Friday. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you, Carl. I'm not a crook. We'll see. We'll see you guys soon. Lots of love, guys. All right. Good night, guys. I love them guys. It, I love I, them guys. I could have them on for hours. Oh, absolutely. It's just I could pick the brain for hours. The but... whole that whole realm, man, is just so fascinating to me. And it's well, the only reason why I wasn't like timing in more during this show is I've literally tried to keep up with this computer yeah, it's been it's, acting weird the whole th i like literally band-aiding the show together my, started Thanks, acting Carly. up on my interview yesterday yeah and it just hasn't recovered yeah so i'll have, i may have to wipe the computer out and redo Guys, it and this in two weird. weeks we will not be doing an episode because we'll be in rochester in new york at so based on what um our network lfe db radio has set we hope to maybe do some sort of live from the event. Yep. So we will be there. Keystone State will be there. Uh, Ted and City, we're all on the yep. same umbrella. So. Uh, on the same contract. So yeah. we'll definitely be there. I'll bring all the camera and everything just in case we can run one. But uh, if not, hopefully, if not, we'll see in four weeks. All right. so, Thank you for watching. Guys, lots of love. God bless. We'll talk to you along the way. You've been listening to Step Into the Paranormal with Ernie Atwell and David Seiler. Thank you for listening, and listen in next week for another topic and more great guests, right here on WLFE-DB Radio Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.